Hey, musical historians. Thanks for sticking with this show. It really means a lot. Just a quick note before we begin the episode. Um, this is our season one finale. We've made some great episodes and are just going to take maybe a month off to make even more content at a level of organization we're comfortable with. Season two will start in about a month wherever you get your podcasts and in two weeks you will get a blooper reel from every episode of season one. All the scripted parts. There are bloopers. Enjoy them. As always, you can help make this show possible by going to patreon.com slash modernmusicalorigins and pledging as little as $5. Thank you so much for all your support, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, and welcome to Modern Musical Origins. I'm Nora, and in this show, I take different instruments and some types of music and examine their history. Today, I'll be discussing the ukulele, and later on, I'll be joined by Mary Amato, who is an award-winning children's and YA book author, songwriter, and poet. But for now, let's talk about musical origins. The ukulele, although first created and named in Hawaii, started in the 19th century as an adaptation of the Portuguese machete, full name Machete de Braga. Basically a small guitar. It is a member of the lute family with various sizes, typically strung with four nylon strings. The name ukulele roughly translates from Hawaiian to mean jumping flea, which some attribute to the movement of the fingers when you play, although legend attributes it to an Englishman named Edward William Purvis, who is one of King Kalakua's officers, known for his small size, fidgeting manner, and expertise on this instrument. Now, the ukulele has spread all around the world, being a mandatory part of music education in Canada, a fairly popular instrument in Japan, and even being the center of a convention in the UK. In the US, there's um, quite a bit more, so here we go. During 1915, the ukulele was brought into the spotlight of the mainland US during the Panama Pacific International Exposition where the Hawaiian Pavilion featured George E.K. Awai and his Royal Hawaiian Quartet, a guitar and ukulele ensemble, along with ukulele maker and player Jonah Kumale. This ensemble was so popular that it sparked a Hawaiian trend for Tin Pan Alley songwriters. Somewhat surprisingly, the uke, as it came to be called, became a staple of the jazz era that was much of the 1920s and 30s, it was very portable and easy to learn when compared to brass instruments like the saxophone, which probably contributed to this. After World War II, it continued to be included in jazz music and grew even more in popularity, particularly being associated with the singer-songwriter Tiny Tim after he played it on his 1968 album. So, we've seen it before, and we'll see it again. A boom in popularity, followed by a sharp drop-off. For the uke, this drop-off happened after the 1960s, and it really didn't emerge back into the public consciousness until the 1990s, when Jim Beloff and the Hawaiian musician Israel Kamakavivole helped to repopularize it. Beloff did this by compiling over two dozen books of ukulele music, and including modern pop music in them, while Kamakavivole helped through his reggae-like renditions of songs such as Over the Rainbow and What a Wonderful World. One last factor in the repopularization of the ukulele is, unsurprisingly, YouTube. 
Actually, one of the first videos ever to go viral on YouTube was Jake Shimabukuro's ukulele cover of George Harrison's While My Guitar Gently Weeps. Link in the description. Okay, so you know the history of the ukulele. You know a little bit about it. Now, I take you to my conversation with Mary Amato. Okay, I am here with Mary Amato. Why don't you tell the listeners just a bit about yourself? Hello, I am a writer, and um, as a writer, I write a lot of different things. So I write novels. I also write uh, shorter books for children that are often called chapter books. And I write a lot of songs. I love having a mix of long projects, which are the big novels and then the short projects uh the shortest project of all for me is typically a song i can write a song in a day uh, i usually have to revise it but i can at least write a draft a full draft of a song in a day and i can't do that with a with a chapter book or with a novel so that's yeah. one of the joys of being both a fiction writer and a songwriter yeah, so you're here to talk about the ukulele, which you said you started playing around 2013, and what sort of got you interested and has kept you interested? I've always been mostly interested in music from the point of view of the songwriter. So as as a singer, the instrument is the accompaniment to the singer, and I used to play the guitar primarily, but for my work as a book writer, I traveled a lot, especially on airplanes. And I found that it was really difficult to bring a guitar along. It was uh, either expensive because I'd have to pay extra or it was just, I just di didn't have uh, enough, you know, enough arm bandwidth to carry it because I also was, yeah. I was bringing a computer and I was bringing all of my presentation materials. They're big um, and heavy. And so along the way, I thought, hey, it might be good to have a smaller instrument to travel with. First, I bought a travel guitar and I still found that that was too big. Then I realized that you could put a ukulele in the carry-on of an airplane. And I thought, oh, oh this is perfect. So I started playing because of traveling. What made you stick with it and interested you enough to keep going? Great question. I loved it the minute I got one. I found that the size of it was so conducive to what's often called um, by a lot of musicians, what's often called noodling. Uh, are you familiar with that term? Yes, I am. So for any musicians out there um, who haven't heard the term or for non-musicians, noodling is when you just are experimenting. You're messing around with, uh, with an instrument, with a melody, with a riff, um, and you're not really intending to play something whole. You're just in that experimental stage. And there's something about the size of a uke. You can curl up with it. 
Um, you can grab it and run on your, you know, sit on your front porch. You can um, sit in a hammock. Uh, you can really, really cozy up with it. And I found that noodling was so much easier on a uke than with a guitar. I think because it's so lightweight, also, you're more apt to take it with you wherever you go. Even if it's, even if it's from one room to another, Nora, it's like, wow, it's much easier to carry around a uke than a guitar. How was the transition from ukulele to guitar? It's always a little bit weird to pick up a new instrument, but they're so similar in, like, theory of how you play. Yeah, the similarity is that the right hand is almost exactly the same. You can pluck, you can pick, you can strum. So that part mm -hmm. is really transferable. The The left hand is a little uh, different because the chords aren't the same. And so I, I think, though, that that's good for your brain uh, because you are, um, you're, you're actually learning different patterns and and I find that it's just kind of like mental exercise. So I enjoy the fact that they're slightly different but that they're sort of similar. Okay, so can you elaborate kind of on what the difference between them is? Yes, I'll elaborate on the difference. So so the ukulele has just four strings instead of six. And the four strings of the ukulele are G, C, E, and A. And those are not the four top strings of the guitar. The four top strings of the, the guitar um, don't line up with that. And so um, these actually require you, when you're learning a chord, to learn a different pattern that your fingers are um, are voicing. So your fingers are on different, are creating a different pattern for say the G chord on the ukulele than it would be for the G chord on the guitar. But if you're moving from guitar to ukulele, it's actually easier because you only have four strings instead of six. If you're moving from the ukulele to the guitar, it's a little harder. I wish that all students, young students in particular, would start on the ukulele uh, because it is easier to play than a, than a guitar. I wish that schools would uh, have more ukulele teaching programs for younger kids and yeah. then gradually move to the guitar. Um, I don't know if you've heard this experience, but a lot of times I hear from people who tried to play the guitar and they quit and they just felt that it was too hard and I think a lot of times that's that's what happens as musicians we pick up an instrument and we expect it to be easy and then when it isn't it's like whoa I give up <laughs> and also the the guitar has harder strings yes it's harder strings a... to press down literally yeah, it's harder on your fingers it's harder on your fingers exactly yeah so that's interesting. You mentioned you have a banjo lele. What is I that? I do. Yeah. The banjo lele is a hybrid between a ukulele and a banjo. So it has a banjo okay. base, meaning that the base of the ukulele acts more, much more like a drum than, um, than a ukulele bottom. I'm just going to 
grab my banjo ukulele and tap. Okay. It's got like a, uh, it's almost like a snare drum yeah. bottom. If you know what a snare drum looks like, it's like a snare drum on the bottom with a drum head, actually. Okay. Um, instead of wood on the top, it has a drum head. And then it's got your four ukulele strings that are strung the same uh -huh. way. So all of the chords that you play on the ukulele, you can play on the banjo lele. It yeah, it sounds a little sound. more like tinny. Just a different type of resonance. Absolutely. And listeners, there will be a picture of a banjo lele on the Instagram when this episode comes out. Yeah, they're super fun. Um, they're heavier. And so it's. I typically don't travel with my banjo lele, but it's for certain songs... They just sound, it just sounds better to grab the banjo lele and play it than the ukulele. And it's nice to have a difference. So if you're doing a concert um, and you're, you know, all your songs are kind of sounding the same, you can change it up just by changing that instrument. So I'll tell you another thing. I don't think that you know this about me, but I've also made ukuleles from scratch out of cigar boxes. And so I have a homemade ukulele and it actually also is uh, electric. So I put an amp, um, a uh, pickup in it. Then you can run a chord from the ukulele to an amp. And I learned how to do that at this amazing place in Silver Spring called Gadget Lab. And at Gadget Lab, they have courses in how to create instruments from scratch, lots of different kinds. Um, and the ukulele out of a cigar box is just fabulous. Yeah. It's really a perfect match. Do you have any of those? Yes, I have a. I have my... Um, I. Should I pause and grab it? Yeah. Okay, that looks awesome. So they're really amazing to make um, because cigar boxes themselves are little works of art. And uh, you can buy a cigar box for like 10 bucks. Um, a lot of times uh, antique stores will have them or um, secondhand stores. Or you can go into a cigar shop and ask for um, a box. And they're so fun because they're different colors. They often have paintings on them or really cool insignias. So mine, because my last name is Amato, I picked out one that has this silver A embossed on it. Um, a stands for Avo, which is um, the first name of the brand of this cigar. And they it, this comes from Nicaragua. And, um, and it's amazing how... Um, lightweight and playable it is. So making a your own ukulele out of a cigar box is something that is doable. It takes a lot of practice to get it right and that's why it's wonderful to work with somebody like Karen Jacopuzzi at Gadget Lab who has worked out all the kinks and knows how to do it. But oh. um, I don't have it tuned up. But that it has a great good. sound. Yeah. Yeah. Much better than I would expect. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, if 
if you want to send me a picture of that or I can look for one, there will also be one up on Instagram, maybe Twitter. I would love to send you a picture of it and a link to Gadget Lab. Yeah, definitely. Uh, in case anybody wants to take one of the workshops, they're really fun. Yeah, that's that's a super cool thing. Making instruments is such a like surprising for some instruments, it's such a surprisingly accessible thing. It is. And and I think that when you make an instrument from scratch, you really appreciate how it works and you lose your fear of it. For sure. Uh, so one of the things that is important if you are a musician is to feel like the instrument is really your own and that you can experiment with it. You can uh, you can tune it in different ways you can take off the strings and put on different kinds of strings and see if the different strings sound different um, you can use it not just the way it's intended so a ukulele is intended to be strummed but you can also um, you know hit it um, tap it uh, use it as a percussion instrument so there are a lot of different ways that you can bond with your instrument but you have to be over your fear of it. And that's really important. Yeah, make it accessible. So you teach ukulele too. I do. So right now I'm teaching online and uh, that is actually surprisingly effective. You can uh, hold the ukulele up to the camera and your, your student can see what you're doing and then you can ask your student to play. And so that's a great way to learn how to play an instrument. I have one tip that I really want to give to uh -huh. you and your listeners, um, which is a tip that really transformed my life as a musician, which is to try to play a little bit every day rather than to set aside one day a week where you're going to try to practice for a full half hour or a full hour. A lot of people do that and then that day rolls around and they are too busy or they're too tired and they don't practice. If you practice for just five or 10 minutes every day, you actually learn more. Studies have shown that when you're learning things that like muscle memory, uh, it's better to repeat numerous times for a shorter amount of time than it is to do just one longer session a week. So I really encourage you, if you're a musician, to play a little bit every day. And it, if you give yourself a month to do that, it's amazing how much you will, you will improve in just 30 days. What do you think interests like young children in the ukulele? I think that for a lot of uh, little kids and tweens, it's a great instrument because it is something that is social. Uh, sometimes people play an instrument that is, um, it's more isolating. Like I actually think the piano is a kind of an isolating instrument. You can't I, pick it up and take it I with agree. you. And it also kind of requires you to face away from people. Exactly. Good insight. Even in a like, circle. Your face, yeah, you're often facing a wall. Um, and a lot of times piano teachers teach you by reading music, which means you're, you're staring at a piece of paper 
rather than at your, you know, audience. Uh, so I think that the ukulele is so popular, not just with kids, but with people of all ages, because it is primarily a social connector. When you have a ukulele in your hands, if you are walking down the street, I guarantee you somebody will comment on it. When I go to the airport and I have my ukulele uh, on my back because I have a backpack case, I always get asked, oh, is that a ukulele? Uh, what do you like to play? Play something. <laughs> and I have played in strange places. I played once in a gas station, um, in a bus station, in an airport. And it's it's really doable, you know? You can actually play it in the car, not while you're driving, but you can play it in the car. Think about that. What instrument can you play in the car? Almost none. It's a wonderful social instrument. Okay, so on that note, you have to go. Is there, like, one last tip, one last thing you want to leave with the audience? And then also, where can they find you on the internet? Um, I'll do the first okay. part uh, first. My last closing tip would be to make sure that whenever you have an instrument in your hand, whatever the instrument is, that you are committed to having fun. And that sounds obvious, but it's in my experience that people get really hung up on wanting to be good or, or wanting to sound good, and they forget to actually enjoy it. So if you are playing an instrument and you're not enjoying it, there's something wrong. And look into that and figure out what's going on with your brain. Why aren't you enjoying this? That would be my tip. And you can find me online. Easiest way is my name, www.maryamato.com. And I have several websites, but that's the easiest way. And I have information about lessons, and I also have lots of resources. I have recordings and uh, videos and things like that, too. But that's the best way to get in touch with me immediately. Great. Thank you very much for joining me. It's been a pleasure. Hey, thanks, Nora. And thank you very much for listening. You can find the podcast on Twitter at Music Origin Pod or on Instagram at Modern Musical Origins. You can send us an email at modernmusicalorigins at gmail.com or support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash modernmusicalorigins. Our artwork is by Vaishan Brandon. You can get in touch with him at graphite.vmb on Twitter and Instagram. If you like my voice enough to hear it more, you can find my other podcasts by searching Siblings and Fandoms wherever you get your podcasts. Again, thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you in Season 2. Thank you.